0: Before I get to my next guest, Dave Stockton Jr., I want to talk to you about our friends over at Adele Golf. Have you been custom fit for your putter or even for your wedges? Adele Golf is the industry leader in scoring club fitting. Their putter fitting system is the most complete putter fitting system in golf. The EAS line of putters can get your putting dialed in. Also check out their swing match system wedges, with weight adjustability to make sure your wedges are truly fit to your swing. Go to Adelegolf.com and schedule your fitting today. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Squares Golf. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment, maybe a new driver? Well, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Squares Golf Shoes. The patented Squares Toe provides balance, stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour and an average of 9 yards of distance. Independent testing proves it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to squares.com, get the Squares 30-day money-back guarantee and use promo code DISTANCE to get $20 off. Remember, distance comes from swing speed and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. Squares, the distance golf shoe. Okay, now back in making his 11th appearance with me here on Next on the Tee is Dave Stockton Jr. Let me remind you about Dave's background. He's from Redlands, California. Like his father and his grandfather, he was an All-American golfer at the University of Southern California. He joined the Corn Ferry Tour in 1993 and won twice during his rookie season there at the Connecticut Open and the Hawkeye Open. He went through Q School in 1994 and earned his tour card. He finished inside the top 100 on the PGA Tour money list that year. From 1993 to 2006, he had six top 10 finishes on the Corn Ferry Tour and 13 top 10s on the PGA Tour. Following his days on tour, he spent a couple of years as a commentator for the USA Network. He's now one of the top instructors on the planet, and I'm excited to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Dave, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm doing great, Chris. Uh, how are you? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you, my friend.
0: Dave, before we get started, our mutual good friend Keith Hirschland commented on a Uh Facebook promo that I did that he wanted me to ask you about the time you tormented him at the bar during the Corn Ferry Tour Championship back in 2002. You guys were in Alabama during game six of the 2002 World (laughs) Series. What happened (laughs) there?
1: You know, it's so long ago, but I know that it's between the Dodgers and the Giants since we both, uh, and tonight the Dodgers and Giants are playing again, uh, Dodger Stadium. But, uh, yeah, he, he, you know, he's a Giants guy. I'm a Dodger guy. And, uh, we had a friendly ribbing back and forth and, and, uh, I think we actually, we still do to this day. So, uh, we know where our allegiances are and, uh, we, uh, we keep it civil. Just put it that way. <laughs>
0: Dave, I know you're a busy guy, you're doing a lot of things. Catch us up. What's been going on with you so far in twenty two?
1: Well, uh yeah, you know, just it's all about evolving and changing as you as you uh learn this life that we live and uh uh my wife and I we moved to Scottsdale, Arizona in September of last year and um got my real estate license here in Arizona and I'm with Russ Lyon Sotheby's and uh out of the Desert Mountain office. Um Still teaching, still doing that, still doing the, the greens with back nine greens around the country and even outside the country. And, um, and, uh, just this week I got my real estate license in Idaho. And so now my summers are going to be in Cortland, Idaho, which is, which is a pretty nice contrast between Scottsdale eight months out of the year and four months up there in, uh, in Cortland. And and, uh, going to be at, uh, CDA National Reserve, which is, uh, uh, a private course up there that um, actually a guy that I helped with his game he bought the course and wanted me to come in as a uh, director of instruction and, and sell real estate there so I started studying again and got my license and so I'll be doing both up there and uh we we open May 20th so it's going to be May 20th through September uh uh teaching and selling there and then come back to Scottsdale in October
0: Wow. So that's fantastic. Good for the folks up in that area.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's a neat spot. It's a great Weisskopf track. And, uh, it opened in 08. Uh, it was a different name. And, um, they, uh, obviously 08 was a bad time to open a golf course or do anything business wise and, um, kind of sat there for a while and he bought it last year and, uh, doing a lot of good stuff up there. And, uh, it's going to be a fantastic, uh, Club to be at.
0: Dave, switching gears a little bit. I saw a recent post that you put out on Twitter, where it was asked if anyone had played a nearly perfect golf course, and the writer talked about it being at Muirfield. You responded with mm-hmm. Friars Head in New York. Talk about why you love that mm-hmm. golf course. Oh
1: my gosh, uh, that that Crenshaw Corps did a heck of a job on that one, and I have a friend, lucky enough to have a friend as a member there, and. Um, he invited me out to, I played it, uh, about four or five times now and played in a member pro, member pro event that he had there last year, uh, late last summer. And, and I just, it's all walking. There's, you know, n- no carts, which is great unless you have a medical reason. Um, and the layout's just fantastic and uh, there's not a bad hole. And then you, you know, you come to the 18th hole and you're, Looking at that beautiful clubhouse they built, you know it's just uh, it's a spectacular setting, and there's no homes on the golf course. I mean, it's it's a pretty enjoyable walk, put it that way.
0: Dave, I want to take you back into your playing career to the 1993 Connecticut New Haven Open. We have a wonderful (laughs) relationship with Tony Reno, who is the head football coach at uh, Yale University, and and that event was okay. played on the Yale golf course back then, which is a McDonald yep. Rainer design golf magazine, rated as the top go- college golf course in the country. And they're getting ready to celebrate mm-hmm. their 100th birthday out there. But talk about what you remember about the tournament and playing on that golf course. Yeah. it
1: you know, it's just a classic old school golf course and uh, some, some quirky holes, some blind shots um, and just a, a, a great layout. I, the thing that, that sticks out for me before the tournament even started, which I still laugh at is, um, I wasn't in the pro am on Wednesday, so I had Wednesday open and had a friend of mine who at the time was an assistant pro at WingFoot. And he said, Hey, if you're not in the pro am, come out. We'll play WingFoot West and play the West course. And, and, uh, it's in great shape, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Yeah, I'd love to come out there, you know. And so I go out there and, it's, you know, perfect condition, not a, blade of grass out of place and I shot the prettiest seventy seven you've ever seen. And I called <laughs> my dad that night and <laughs> I called my dad and I told him I was going to play Wingfoot. Of course he played the they, he played the US Open there when it was the was the massacre at Wingfoot or whatever they called it um when I think Hale Irwin won that one. But uh uh he said, How'd you play? I said, "Well, wow, I, I played better than I scored. He said, What'd you shoot? I said, Seventy seven. He goes, Seventy seven he well, what's what's going on? I said, I, I actually hit it really good. I just a I got it in some spots you don't want to be and I, you know, paid the price. And I was telling him I'm really I feel good this week. I'm hitting it good, even though I shot seventy seven today. And uh, you know, of course go into the tournament and you know I win by a shot. Uh I do I don't remember a lot of shots during the tournament, but the one I do remember is the seventy first hole. Uh I made a 60 foot putt, take a one shot lead, made a birdie putt from, uh, 60 feet. I was on the front, the pin was in the back, and, and that gave me a one shot lead with one to go and made a four, four footer, four and a half footer in the last hole for par to win. And, um, uh, that was kind of a, you know, wow, I, you know, I belong out here. I, you know, and I started the year conditional status because I, you know, I hadn't, uh, I didn't play well at the finals of Q school in 92, which were at the Woodlands in Texas. And, um, so I had a conditional card. I couldn't get any events. I finally Monday qualified for about the seventh event of the year after missing the first six. And, um, I'm, it was right the week before they did the reshuffle and I made $1,240 or something like that. And that reach that money got me in the reshuffle up where I got in every week and. Just a couple of weeks later, I won that event and I thought, oh, I'm off to the races. Great. And then I went, miss cut, miss cut. And I'll uh, bring you back down. And then I went to the Iowa Hawkeye Open at Finkbine, um, which is Iowa's, uh, home club and, um, University of Iowa's home club. And, uh, I was tied for the lead going into the final round with Mike Heinen, who obviously was a good player. He won the, I think he won the Houston Open. Went on tour, and but we were both trying it out in '93, and I remember we teed off on one. We both hit it down the middle, and he and jokingly said to me, "He says, you know, you already got one of these. He says, Let me get one." I said, "Play hard, buddy." <laughs> and I just, I, I had the mindset because of the confidence of winning three weeks earlier. Uh, it wasn't in my mind. It wasn't a question of if I was going to win that one. It was by how many. And you know, winning breeds confidence, and I. I shot 66 and one by four and the hole looked about the size of a trash can. And, and, um, and so I, I had two top tens that year, uh, in, uh, 12 in 22 events I played in. I made 11 cuts, missed 11 cuts and two top tens were both wins and, uh, <laughs> got me exempt to finals at Q school, which were in La Quinta, PJ West and, um, obviously playing with some confidence and I went into that with a little different mindset mentally after knowing what I did wrong the year before at finals. Um, I was so consumed with what scores were each day and what I had to do to, what, what took, what made it there three years earlier. Cause back then Q school was Florida, Texas, California, Florida, Texas, California, and they rotated. And so it was California's turn. And I, I made a commitment to myself that, um, I wasn't gonna look at scores and I didn't care what anybody else shot. I was gonna look at the end of six days and see what where, where it stood and my goal was to win the event and um I did. Um and that's what got me on tour for ninety four my rookie year and um you know, who knows if I'd uh that rookie year where I had uh two thirds and an eighth. Actually the eighth was at International Colorado and I I uh had the I birdied four holes in a row in the back 9 to to uh tie for the lead going into 17 on Sunday hit the car path on the right side of the fairway and disappeared into a, a forest but I don't think the ball's been found actually we found it but it was so dark and it was so bad down in there I mean I, I ended up making a 7 and you know finish 8th in the event and um and obviously Hartford was uh the one I had a good chance to win after being in the lead after Friday and Saturday and I finished third. You can't shoot 71 or 2 on Sunday. I shot 71 or 2 and I got lapped uh, by, uh, uh, who won? David Frost won, Greg Norman was second. And then,
0: right.
1: and then, and then 95, I finished second again at Hartford to, to Greg Norman. Fuzzy Zeller and I tied. But, uh, I know there was something in the water in Connecticut. Everybody, I've come there. Yeah, all I was wondering. Were always great. They I know, something about, I finished second, third, sixth, eighth, eleventh in that event over the years. And, you know, I wish I'd have won it. It would have been great because my dad won that event when it was the Sammy Davis Jr., uh, canon greater Hartford open. But, uh, you know, uh, it it is what it is. I had a, I had fun. I was, I was a, I was what they would call what you would call a journeyman playing out there because, you know, you got to win to get some security. and the only thing I got good at was getting through Q school cuz I got through finals four times after I you know figured out how to do it and uh, but you don't really want to keep going back to Q school it get, it grows on you after a while. Um and uh, once my kids were you know 5 and 2 I was on the road 36 6 weeks a year and missing a lot of things that that were they were doing and it just golf wasn't fun anymore and it was a it was an easy decision for me and and one that i i have never had a day of regret when i left at 37 years old um i was i was done i wanted to change it up and do something else and i've always you know prided myself on you know making changes i get more, far more enjoyment on helping people with their golf games or or uh you know designing a really cool green that we put in with back nine greens in someone's backyard and um, and now with the real estate side of things. I mean, I enjoy, I bring happiness to other people and that's, that gives me joy. So it's, it's fun. I, I feel like I, I'm living my best life, which is what we all strive to do.
0: Dave, well, and I want to get into some of that, but I, one other question from your time out on tour. Mm-hmm. You, uh, yeah. you finished tied for fifth along with uh, your partner, Dottie Pepper at the J.C. JCPenney Classic. Um, was it fifth?
1: I thought we were third. I've been saying all along all the, all the, all the time.
0: <laughs> I don't know. The the tour media guys said fifth. Maybe it was third. Who knows? Um, but okay. you guys actually uh, shot the round of the tournament. Can you guys combine for a sixty two in the third round? But Dottie's a great friend. Uh, I, I enjoy spending time with her a lot. Talk about yeah. getting the partner with her in that event.
1: <laughs> well, there was some funny stuff. So I'm a rookie on tour in '94, and obviously Dottie. In 94 was one of the dominant, uh, women on the LPGA Tour and, you know, she, I, for me, you know, I, the year's a long year and, you know, the mixed teams in Florida and it's like, yeah, you know, I don't really feel like going and playing in that. I live in California and this is in Florida and take a week off and, and Dottie normally played with Dan Forsman and Forsman was injured and couldn't play and, and, uh, Piddler, uh, Pidd, um uh, Dottie's caddy, um, or actually, ex- no, caddy for Dottie, or he was, maybe he was, he was Forsman's caddy, but they were talking and she, she told him to ask me if I'd wa- like to play with her. And I mean, obviously I'm going to go play with Dottie because we could win the tournament. And I was like, oh, she's taking a chance with a rookie. This is, this is kind of cool. And so I said, absolutely. Yeah, let's do it. And I remember and there was some funny stuff, but I, I show up at the, you know, everybody stayed at the Innisbrook hotel there on site. And I get to my room and, and, uh, there's a message on my phone from her saying, Hey, when you get in, I'm in rooms touch and such. Um, uh, come on down, have a beer or two and watch the football game and get to know each other. You know, if we're going to be partners that week. I said, cool. So I unpacked. I go down to her room. Knock on the door, and I hear dog barking. There's two. She has two chows that she traveled with. Two big chows, and one was black, and one was one was blonde, yellow, and Furman and Shank were the two dogs. And (laughs) obviously Furman, because she went to Furman University, and Shank just because funny. I don't know. I don't remember which one it was. But I'm sitting there, the dogs are kind of looking at me, and she hands me a beer and we're talking and I'm looking at this one dog. It doesn't look right. Like, I finally realized the dog doesn't have any teeth. There's no, it's all gum. And, and I finally, I, I weighed about halfway through the beer and I kind of weird to bring this up, but I'm like, uh, Dottie, a, hey, uh, I have a question for you. What happened to your dog's teeth? And she said, Oh, that's a funny story. Yeah. She showed me her calf and on her calf, there's a scar. And she said, yeah, I came home one, one day or one night and, and the alarm went off and the dog was sleeping by the door and the dog jumped up and bit me in the leg. It was like a knee jerk reaction. And so I took the dog to the vet and the vet said that dogs only chew with their back molars. So I had the front teeth all taken out. And I, <laughs> I just, I looked at her and I said, wow, I said, partner, I said, partner, if, if I pissed you off this week, just don't, don't hurt me. Don't, don't do anything that's going to hurt me. I mean, I was 24, I'm 25 year old rookie. I'm like, that was intimidating, right? You know, and then, and then during the tournament, I just, one of the funniest ones was, uh, we're on the ninth hole on Sunday and it's alternate shot and she hit the tee shot and I hit a, I hit an eight iron. I remember I hit an eight iron into the green. It was about 10 feet right underneath the hole uphill inside the hole pot. And I'm over, she's kneeled down, and I'm over her shoulder looking at the putt. She says, I think I'm going to be sick. And I said, I'm like, oh, my God, partner, you okay? What What's going on? She goes, no, no. She just stands to me. She goes, I'm just really nervous. And I thought, and it was really a, I was like, a, I was like, wow, here's Dottie saying, my time to, to say, hey, get your, you know what, together. I, I, said, uh, I said, partner, you've made a million of these bury this thing in the hole and let's go to 10. She goes, okay. She got up there and she poured it right in the hole like the champion she is. So, it was cool. Um, fun playing with her. And, uh, you know, we had a chance to win, but uh, we just came up a little short. But, um... um and that's probably more on me than her because if she had a uh, better partner, maybe she would have won the <laughs> But I I enjoyed it. It was, the, it was the one time I played in the event. You know, I... I think they should have that at event again. I think um if they have even a, a – I mean, I know there's so many tournaments now. That's the one thing is is tough is uh, this wraparound season, events all over the place. I used to enjoy November and December off, Um and you don't have that now. And Now if you take time off in the fall, you start the West Coast, and guys have already played four, five, six events, seven of – I mean, it's crazy. So, you know, you, you just got to pick and choose where you get your breaks. So I don't know where they find, you know, fit an event in like that. But um, it was a neat event. And I think that, you know, it'd be something that people might get into seeing again if they could ever find a week at work.
0: Dave, one more before I let you go. And I got to get a putting lesson from you because too often my buddies and I are completely wrong with how we read the greens and how we read the break. What should we be looking at and how can we go about doing a better job of reading the line and making more putts?
1: Sure. Um, well, one of the problems with a lot of golf today, a lot of players today is they ride in carts. Okay. So if you're not walking, if you're riding, you typically park on the side of a green or behind a green, you never park in front. And typically greens are sloped back to front. And, you know, when you're walking, And playing and you walk up on the front of a green, you can get a really good feel. Greens don't run away from you typically. They're, they're towards the fairway. And it's always important to when you're walking on a green, realize where the lowest point is on the green. Um, it might be to the left. It might be to the right. It might be in front. And then in relation to where your ball is in the hole, always look at if I pour, I always, If you have a green that's tough to tell which way it's breaking, there's always an outlet, meaning for if it rains, where would water drain off this green? Where would water drain between my ball and the hole? And that'll give you a better understanding of which way a putt's going to break. And and walking on from the front of the green makes it a lot easier. But when you're walking on from behind, um, it wouldn't hurt to go down below more towards the front and walk up and get in better idea, because if you're walking on the high side, it's like reading a putt from the high side. So a putt's breaking left to right, and you walk around on the left side and look at it, it's not going to look like it breaks very much. But if you go to the right side and look at it, everything's coming towards you. So you get a much better understanding. And going to the high side, I always say like this, I mean, if you go to the high side and look at a putt, that makes as much sense as tilting a book or a magazine or a paper away from you and reading it it's not that easy so right. always go to the low side
0: dave before i let you go remind our listeners you talked about it at the at the beginning but how can we stay up to mm-hmm. date with all the great things you're doing how can we follow you on social media and uh and get an idea of where where dave stockton jr is going to be
1: yeah well i'm i'm on predominantly uh twitter and instagram and, uh, I enjoy interacting with people on, on, mainly on Twitter. Um, but I'm, I'm at, uh, DSJR1 on Twitter and, uh, and Instagram, I'm David B. Stockton and, uh, it's, I enjoy it. Um, it's a lot of fun. Those are the two. I'm on LinkedIn too, not as much, but I'm on it. Um, and, uh, just, I enjoy the interaction. I love, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to put too much stuff out there where people are like, Oh, he's blabbing again or something. But you know, I know I'll have a bunch of stuff from I'll have a bunch of stuff this summer and uh got a gun fun fishing trip with my dad and my son up to British Columbia in July and I'll be posting stuff from that for sure for salmon and halibut and uh you know, just uh just enjoying life and enjoying family and friends.
0: Well, Dave, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. Always enjoy getting to spend time with you. You're a lot of fun, my friend. I hope you come back and do it again soon.
1: I will, Chris. I I can't believe it's been 11 times, and I always enjoy being on your show and appreciate you and everything you do. And thanks for having me on again.
0: Absolutely. Take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Sounds good. You
1: too. Bye-bye.
0: That's a great Dave Stockton Jr., folks. Great. He had a great uh uh, run out on the PGA tour at the corn ferry tour and then on the regular tour. A lot of great experiences that you heard, uh, some of those tonight. And now it's just sought after as one of the putting gurus out there that, uh, is helping a lot of people around the greens from a, from a short game perspective. And then when you get on the green, there's just nobody better than he and his father at helping you read greens and make more putts. So look forward to having Dave
1: back on the show again soon.